Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Having his dear lifelong friend, friend from LSU and teammate Jarvis Landry with him here. I, I think has started to make Odell, you know, view things maybe and his perspective a little bit differently. Now, though, what you said, there's no question. There's no question that Baker Mayfield seems to elevated his game and his ability to get way more people involved with Odell not there. thought this week we would go down memory lane. We've got the NBA All-Star break. Going to be some big news in the NFL as uh, there are some important dates coming up and the tags and free agency and the salary cap. Uh, but I thought we would spend some time and just reflect back on my journey, which uh, was an amazing ride, particularly early in my career. And my guest today is somebody that had a, a big impact on my career. We're going to talk to him in just a couple of moments. Today's podcast is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. For all of your home loan needs, whether you are buying a new home, whether you're looking to do a refi, just go to roysumbrella.com. No tricks, no gimmicks, no hidden charges at the end. I've worked with Roy and his staff over the years, and they are awesome. Again, for all of your home loan needs... Just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. All right. Many of you have followed my journey. Some of you that are listening to the podcast uh, for the first time or recently really have no idea about my journey into sportscasting. And again, I thought we would go down memory lane this week and coming up in just a couple of moments, uh, we will talk with an individual uh, that has had a pretty remarkable career and uh, had a big influence on my career. I think I was just put on this earth uh, to talk sports, to announce sports. Uh, I knew at a very early age uh, in grade school that I wanted to be a sportscaster, listen to Marv Albert growing up. You know, he did both the Knicks and the Rangers on radio. And uh, I just, that's, it was unbelievable to listen to him do the games, particularly in the 69-70 season when the Knicks were uh, on the way to their first ever championship. And, you know, I remember just listening to Marv and it, it, it was just incredible. I, I just could not believe what I was listening to. And it was really at that point that I decided, hey, I think that's something uh, that I want to do. And I started practicing play-by-play -play on this, the schoolyard. I would... Uh, announce games off the television, um, I would start studying play-by-play. Uh, -play. And when I went to Bowling Green to uh, start my college career in 1977, I also went there to play lacrosse. Uh, I had a phenomenal experience walking into the campus radio station my very first year. And I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity as a freshman to do some play-by-play uh, -play, play, uh, of the Bowling Green Sports. It was Division One, and uh, did the same thing in my second year. But my big break came in my third year when I got an internship at WKIQ, a commercial FM radio station that did uh, the Bowling Green Sports. And Glenn Cerny, who owned uh, the station, was great to me. 
and I had a chance to do play-by-play of hockey, uh, and Bowling Green was a national uh, powerhouse in hockey. I was able to do uh, some football. I was able to do a little bit of basketball. Glenn did much of the basketball. I, I, I think maybe I may have done only a game, but that was okay. It was great. And then uh, I stayed on at that radio station my senior year. And I actually, when I graduated from Bowling Green in 81, my first full-time job in the business was with Glenn at his station. And I was the morning DJ. I was an account executive. And uh, I did a lot of the hockey games because Glenn had uh, two young boys. And he would send me very often uh, to do the Bowling Green hockey on the road. And I love that. It was just an incredible experience. And I remember, you know, going into the station, packing up all the equipment, double checking, triple checking, you know, many, many instances, you know, get on the uh, team bus. And, you know, if we were going up to northern Michigan, let's say in Marquette, it was a 10 hour bus ride and, you know, up in the upper peninsula. And it was just bitterly cold and but I remember going to do games you'd have a two-game series on a Friday and a Saturday night and I remember doing everything I was a one-man band Uh, I did the pregame first of all you had to set up the equipment make sure you had the connection back at the station and that was the 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 first big uh, and I don't want to say big obstacle but sometimes you would have technical problems. You know, the phone line was ripped out or you know and again I was by myself and I'm you know 19 years old 20 years old and you know I'm setting up the equipment by myself I'm trying to make sure that the connection is good uh, then I would do a interview that I would pre-record for the pregame show I would then record an interview that I could play between the first and second period and then one in the second and third period I would do the postgame show I would do all the play-by-play you know I didn't have anyone working with me so you know I did the whole broadcast both on Friday and Saturday nights and that was just a a phenomenal uh, just a great experience for me but uh, in 1982 uh, the Bowling Green football team made it to the California Bowl December of 1982 I had never been to California and they were going to play Fresno State in the uh, California Bowl and the California Bowl actually was played in Fresno and uh, we did the Bowling Green football games, but uh, we were not the official station of Bowling Green football. Uh, and it was kind of a, a rights fees type of a deal, but they would not let us broadcast uh, the California Bowl with Bowling Green and Fresno State. Well, my dad, uh, his a lady that he played tennis with a lot, her husband owned the Ms. Lou Sports Network. And that was really kind of right before ESPN. And they did a lot of the college bowl games. So uh, I called up Mr. Piano, who called, who owned the Ms. Lou Sports Network. And he put me in touch with a gentleman named Bill Schwing. And I called Bill Schwing and I said, Mr. Schwing, this is Grant Napier. How are you? Uh, I was referred to you by uh, Mr. Piano. Uh, you know, I do Bowling Green football. They're going to be out at the uh, California Bowl. And I was just seeing if there's anything at all available that you may need. Uh, and he said, hey, we're going to be having a production meeting uh, at this hotel in Fresno. Uh, be there Friday night at six o'clock. And I'm like, OK. So, again, I've never been to California. Uh, fly out to San Francisco, get on a little commuter plane to Fresno and check into the hotel. And I walk into this room at the hotel. And I sit down at the table, and at the end of the meeting, Bill Schwing said, now, what is it that you want to do again? You're, you're, you're who again? I said, yeah, I'm Grant Napier. And he goes, that's right. I remember talking to you on the phone. Now, what is it that you want? I said, well, I'm just here to see if there's anything that you need at all. Uh, I'm happy to do whatever you may need. And he goes, you know that this is national television, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, I just can't let you, you know, be part of the telecast. I haven't even seen any of your work. He said, I, I would like someone to do halftime because I want to give my announcers a break at halftime. And he said, I'll tell you what, you get to the stadium three hours before the game and I'm going to give you an audition. And if you're good enough, I'll let you do the halftime. And if you're not, then I won't. I ha- I'm running a business here. I said, I completely understand, Mr. Schwing. I will be at the stadium and I will be ready to go. So the game started at seven. I got to the stadium at three and I'm hanging around and I'm hanging around and I'm hanging around. Make a long story short, they were having a lot of technical problems and I never had the opportunity to do my audition. So I'm in the broadcast booth and I'm in the back of the broadcast booth as the game is going on. And with, I don't know, four, five, six minutes left to go in the first half, I asked the stage manager, I said, hey, can you ask Bill if I'm going to be doing the halftime or not? 
Well, with about three minutes left, the stage manager says you're going to be doing the halftime. You're going to interview the commissioner uh, of uh, the conference, and then you are going to do some stats and highlights. So I've never been on TV before. Here it is, national TV. I've been practicing my whole life as if I'd been on TV before. Was I nervous? Hell yeah, I was nervous. But I wasn't nervous because I felt like I was going to fail. I was just nervous. I had the butterflies going. I mean, it's a big deal. I've never been on TV before, and my first time is going to be on national TV on the Mislu Sports Network. And so I, I did the halftime. I thought it went well. Uh, I'm walking out of the stadium at the end of the game, and I walk by the TV truck, and Bill Schwing happens to come out of the TV truck as I'm walking by, and he goes, Grant! And he goes, oh, my God. And he's you know, very animated, and he goes, we were just going freaking crazy in the truck when you were on. We didn't know what to expect, and I was so nervous. And he goes, hey, you did a great job. And I said, hey, thank you very much. He said, no, you were great. He said, I really wish you the best in your career. So uh, I get back to Bowling Green. And I continue on with my work at WKIQ Radio. And a little bit later, now in 1983, in the late spring, I run into Jim Tishy, who is the sports director at the ABC TV station in Toledo. Now, Bowling Green and Toledo are only like 20, it's a 20 minute drive. So I knew Jim. Jim knew me. I had seen Jim a lot, but I hadn't seen him in a while. And I run into Jim and he said, man, I didn't know you did TV. I said, I didn't either. And he said, listen, uh, I have six weeks vacation this summer and my weekend guy is going to be filling in for me and I need someone to fill in for him. Would you be interested in coming up for an audition? I said, absolutely. And I remember it like it was yesterday because I went up there to do my audition on my birthday, June 18th, 1983. And I walk into the newsroom and the news director sits me down in front of a typewriter and he said, just write a couple of scripts and then I'll take you into the studio. And he said, you know, you can write whatever you want. And I was like, wow. I, and I don't write anyone that knows me. I don't, I, I ad lib everything I do, but I'm like, okay, well I got to write a couple of scripts. So I wrote a couple of scripts, you know, just based on what was going on in sports. And I walk into the TV studio and I sit down at the anchor table and there's a teleprompter that is run by the anchors with a foot pedal. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, first time ever in a TV studio. Now I've got to read scripts on a teleprompter and oh yeah, by the way, I have to operate it with a foot pedal. So the news director goes, you just let me know whenever you're ready to go. And um, I said, I'm ready. And he said, okay, you can start whenever you want. So I did about a four minute sports cast and I get done. And the news director goes, would you like to do it again? And I said to the news director, you don't get a chance to do it again when you're live, right? He said, no, you don't. I said, then I'm good. The next day, I got a call from Jim Tishy. He said, uh, I like your audition. The news director liked your audition. So we are going to hire you to fill in when Mike can't work. And we can only pay you $5 an hour. I'm like, that's fine. That's good. Well, during that summer, my radio station that I was working at, WKIQ, had been sold to a Spanish format. So I was out of work. Here I am, a young, young person, just lost my job. I moved back to New York, 10-hour drive from Long Island to Toledo, Ohio. And that's where I now make this segue to a guy that I have a lot of respect for, somebody that is unbelievably talented, has had a pretty remarkable broadcasting career, sports anchor, TV voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, TV voice of the Baltimore Orioles. He's done a lot of football for ESPN and networks throughout uh, the Midwest. And again, one of the most talented broadcasters that I ever worked with. His name, Michael Regai. Michael, how the heck are you, sir? Grant Napier, my man. Great to hear from you, buddy. I, I got a feeling we're going to 
take a trip down memory lane here? <laughs> we're, we're, we, we sure are. You know, it's interesting because uh, I tell all my friends they can't believe this. When you when you were the weekend sports anchor at the ABC station WDHO in Toledo and Tish, Jim Tish, he was the sports director. When I was filling in for you, I was actually living in New York at the time. And I would get a call from you on a Thursday, sometimes Thursday night. You go, hey, Napes, hey, any way you can work this weekend? And I'm like, sure can. <laughs> and I, I'd get my little white Subaru and I would drive 10 hours from Long Island <laughs> to Toledo for my five bucks an hour to do the five minute sports cast on Saturday and Sunday. But I got to tell you, Michael, the, the, Michael, those were great times. I, I, I reflect back on that. Those were some of the great memories of my career. No question about it. We had some fun, didn't we? And, yep. um, you know, when you look back at that, and, uh, you know, I first met you while you were uh, at Bowling Green State University. Yep. And, of course, uh, what a ride you had and what an opportunity you had when you were you called. Uh, well, I know you called the uh, hockey. And yep. What led into uh, Jerry York and the national championship for the BG Falcons. What a great time for you to be a part of that and having that kind of opportunity with that kind of nationally proclaimed hockey squad. It was great. It was uh, one of my favorite periods of time doing Bowling Green hockey. It was uh, it was great. You know what else I reflect back on when, you know, one of our main responsibilities uh, in the summer was going out and covering all the home games of the Mud Hens, and that team went on to win the World <laughs> Series with the Twins and watching Kirby Puckett play with the Mud Hens, yep. and that team, that team had stars all over the field. Yeah, I know. I, I think you're right. Greg Gagney, yep. right? Yep. I think it was Herbeck was uh, in Toledo for a little bit. Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, that, that's what I've started to, uh, as the years and the uh, the candles on the birthday cakes keep accumulating, Grant, these are the type of things that I start to look back. I think more so for me, too, with all the people, all the individuals that, you know, we've had a chance to not only meet, but basically, as you did with Sacramento Kings and as I did with the Cleveland Cavaliers and Baltimore Orioles. And, you know, you go through and, I mean, we lived with these guys, you know, day in and day out for six, seven months a year. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of memories and, uh, you know, it, it makes me feel good about we're blessed, no question about it. And I always try to, you know, stay humble. But, but the accomplishments and the opportunity to do that you know, I think it made everything worthwhile. I'll tell you what else was fun that summer. The Tigers, that was the year they won the World Series and going up to Tiger yeah. Stadium. And, you know, first of all, I just love talking to Sparky Anderson. He was such a class act. I just love getting interviews with him. But, you know, talking about Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker and that team, boy, that, that was fun going up to Tiger Stadium, man. That, 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 I, I look back and that was, I, I just, what a great ballpark that was. Yeah, no question about it, Grant. You know, that's where I was born and raised. You know, yeah. spent my entire childhood there. Literally lived in the neighborhood on the east side of the city, about you know, 10, 15 minutes from Tiger Stadium, where, you know, a lot of great, great memories. The Tigers and the Detroit Lions, you know, before they moved. And, and of course, the Pistons and Red Wings, too. So I know you probably feel the same way about, uh, you know, your allegiance to the New York sports teams, but. I've always felt good, Grant. It did have a great effect on, uh, you know, along with playing too. But my wanting to be involved in sports, be growing up at the time, you know, Detroit was the fifth largest city in the country with four major professional sports teams. So I, I never take that for granted because I think it would was, you know, it was something that really kind of molds you and gets you to uh, not only enjoy but really understand, uh, you know what professional sports uh, are all about is and then again as you and I found out uh, during uh, during our careers with professional organizations calling games on a daily basis but uh, you know yeah growing up in Detroit certainly set the groundwork for me in a great way Michael about how old were you when sports casting became something that you thought maybe I I want to try that and who did you grow up idolizing because uh, you know you had some phenomenal announcers in Detroit yeah, no question about it. For me, I think it started, you know, Grant, even in, just uh, going into high school in in Detroit. And I went to a high school that literally you looked across the street from Tiger Stadium, casting, you know, one of the, well, it's turned into one of the, you know, really the legendary uh, high schools in Michigan. But yeah, you know, listen, Ernie Harwell, right? Sure. On the Ernie Harwell on, on the Tiger side. And then, of course, uh, you know, <laughs> when this will, a guy that became a, a peer. Of, of you and me mm-hmm. in our time in the NBA. Uh, I think I was a sophomore in high school when George Blaha 
Wow. Got the, got the Pistons radio play-by-play job. George is, is, is still going strong, doing the Pistons on TV in Detroit. And, you know, so those two certainly. And, and, and then, of course, at that time, you know, as a kid, I'm sure you heard of, there was a guy by the name of Bob Eufer. Oh, that boy. called sure. Michigan Football. Oh, boy. Um, on WJR. And, you know, WJR, I grant you degree and can explain to your, uh, you know, your listeners, uh, one of the real blowtorches mm-hmm. in uh uh, in, in, in the world of radio history, you know, 50,000 watts and you could hear it everywhere. And virtually every one of the Detroit sports teams at one time were, you know, their, their radio flagship was WJR, you know, 760 on the AM dial. So yeah, you know, growing up in that and you, you, again, you, you just get so immersed in it and your love of it. So yeah, by the time I got young teenager, I said, you know what, I, I, I would certainly love to give this a shot and and see if it could happen. You did a great job. You, you don't remember this, but you really taught me uh, how to shoot sports because, you know, obviously we were a one-man band up there. We grabbed the camera, and I remember going out with you to some mud hen games and some other things, and, you know, you actually taught me the, the way to shoot baseball and how to edit it, and uh, I, never, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I actually learned a lot from you, and really, you know, when you think back at that period of our lives, I think the best thing, Michael, was that we did do everything that, you know, we were we 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 went out and shot our own video. We edited our everything. We had to, you know, our, everything that we did, we did by ourselves very often. And I look back again at that period of my time. That was such a great learning experience. Yeah, well, you're very kind for saying that, but I hope you took all these screwed up things. I, did and then <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't uh, impact you that way. too much. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. You brought that up. You know, I, I didn't I didn't particularly enjoy that. I know you didn't. Part of going to, <laughs> right. You know, guys like you and me. And again, you growing up here in New York City, guy, I'm whoa, whoa, wait a minute, man. I want to be on the air and tell everybody what happened. <laughs> right, here, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the fact that you, you gained anything positive from me as far as shooting a camera, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's more credit to you than it is to me. Because uh, I'm, I'm admitting to you, my man, it wasn't something I, I really enjoyed back then. But you're right. You're right by saying it made us complete and it made us whole and it made us understand that, all right, listen, back then and where we were, okay, yeah, you got to go shoot it. Then you got to come back and edit it. Yep. And then you got to take it on the air and hopefully make it sing, right? So uh, I think when you put it in that perspective, Grant, I think it did make us better as as eventually complete broadcasters yeah Michael, you ascended uh, as fast as just about anyone that I can remember in this business going from a very small market like Lima, Ohio, then you're in Toledo, and before you know it, you're anchoring in Cleveland, and then you go on and do the TV for the Cavaliers and the TV play-by-play for the Baltimore Orioles, where you did that for many years in the same season. How grueling was that for you doing, and grueling may not be the right word because everyone listening wishes they could do that, but the point is going from doing TV play-by-play of the Cavaliers in the winter, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, you're in the broadcast booth doing the Baltimore Orioles. What were those years like for you? Yeah, Grant, I'll tell you, it was, you know, again, but loved it, right? Loved it, loved it, loved it. I mean, absolutely everything I lived for. But no, so I was calling, uh, you know, in the neighborhood of about 250, you know, major league games a year. Wow. Combined both the – I did it for eight years, Grant, concurrently, from 97 to 04. You know, I was doing both the Cavaliers, as you said, the NBA season, and then the the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. But I mean, you know, uh, you had you have to have a lot of, um, uh, I guess, you know, you got to have a lot of help from the two organizations to make that happen. Because you know, as time went on, there were some people that you know in the Orioles organization, my bosses that you know were, hey, why don't you give the NBA thing up? You know, just just you'll be here, isn't it enough? You do 162 games a year and. MLB, you know, season. And, but, I mean, you know, the NBA was, was how I started. I loved it. And as you know, Grant, not a, when, I, when I started back here in the Cavaliers in 93, 94, they were going from that transition. Uh, you know, Mike Fratello would come on as the head coach. I love Mike. Mike, a, a dear friend to this day. But they went in that transition. You know, they had Larry Nance and Brad Doherty and the late Hot Rod Williams and Mark Price and Craig Elo, Ron Harper. 
and they were all starting to get old together and transitioning out. So there were some lean years there, you know, through the mid-90s, late-90s. Fratello got them to a little bit of a different style, you know, with final scores at 79 to 75 because he felt that's the way that uh, the only chance that they had to win because running up and down for 48 minutes wasn't going to get it done for the, for them. Uh, but anyway, I mean, uh, yeah, as far as then transitioning to baseball, both organizations, uh, you know, I, I, I credit them. April was tough, Grant, because April, when the, the MLB regular season begins, you know, we've still got, uh, at that time, a couple, two, three weeks left in the NBA regular season. So, you know, when both were playing in those first three weeks of April, I, I had to miss a few of each, and both organizations had to sign off on that. But, you know, Grant, honestly, though, I mean, I loved it, man. I mean, I loved it to be able to, again, as I said earlier, you know, you're there every day, you're locked in, and you know what kind of an impact you have on the, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that uh, love those teams, and you're their their conduit between the team that they root for and them. So – you know exactly what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you nothing you don't know. But, yeah, no, I, I I, am. I mean this, and I tell you this. You and I have known each other forever. I, I truly am humbled by it, that I had the opportunity to do it. As I said, you know, wound up, you know, 14 years with the Cavaliers and uh, and eight with the Orioles, and, um, and those eight were concurrent with the NBA. So it was a, a labor of love, man, and I'm humbled to be able to have the opportunity to do it. Uh, you've done the NFL. Uh, you, you've done so many things. You know, when you look back at your career to this point, was there is there one aspect of your career that you have, number one, like you look back and go, man, that was just great. That was my favorite thing that I've ever done. I, I still, probably like you, as I've, you know, if I you would see how you, I know you live and die with your New York football giants, yeah, right? Yeah, sure do. So, uh, Grant, as but so we just talked about, you know, the NBA for 14 years and Major League Baseball for eight. Football's, football's my number one, man. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, I've, I've called college football since 1985 with both ESPN and, and Fox and their various platforms, you know, down through the years. And uh, hell, it was, uh, you know, what is we know as Fox now was the sports channel back then sure. you know, when I first started so which began uh, its origins out of New York and so I you know football for me is uh, I think it's just grant the nature of the game you play one game a week in most instances the build-up for the game I love the preparation to this day you know I still I love talking to head coaches and I love talking to the coordinators because it, you know, again, it's kind of ingrained in you why you love this sport. And to me, talking to coaches in the NFL and the D1 college football, it's, it's the best. I love going to practices. People will say, damn, right guy, after all these years, you, you know, aren't you tired of all that yet? No, I, the, the preparation still does it for me, buddy. I, I, I still thoroughly enjoy that part of it well you talk about you know the cleveland browns and it's like they have finally turned the corner it it was one of the longest droughts the team moving coming back being just awful every year how do you evaluate this team right now in their future i think they've got a tremendously bright future and i mean i know there's a little bit of pressure with that right so now you come like you said virtually out of nowhere and you make the playoffs last year in the afc so you know, in other words, we know how the NFL is, man, right? You know, every year you better you better make the proper moves and and uh, whether it's free agency, draft, uh, trade to, you know, get the personnel that's going to keep you there. But, I mean, you know, you look at it right now in, in uh, the AFC North Grant, you know, with, you know, with Baltimore, I, I, I still think that, you know, the Ravens are an organization that I don't think they're going to fall off the cliff anytime soon. Pittsburgh, yeah, a little bit of a different situation with, um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger now uh, agreeing to take way less money, but he's going to come back and be their quarterback for at least one more year. And, you know, Joe Burrow's trying to get everything built up in Cincinnati with the proper roster around him. So for the Browns, though, I mean, you got to really like what, uh, what their GM, Andrew Barry, and their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, did and how they saw this team in terms of, not only making the proper moves, but again, putting a roster together. And um, it looks like 
I know you'd appreciate this because, again, you said your uh, your love with the New York football giants. I mean, but this quarterback thing with Baker Mayfield, you know, Grant, there's still there's still a lot of Cleveland fans. I think uh, wondering if is he really going to be the guy now? You know, going forward, is he going to get into that elite status as you know an NFL starting quarterback that can take a football sure. team deep into the playoffs? Maybe that can win a Super Bowl. So. Uh, he made great, great strides last year. But again, as you full well know, I, I think, boy, the NFL to me, man, it, it, if you quarterback play is at a premium, you don't have that. Sure. It's going to be tough for you to may, have the type of success that we're really talking about here. Well, I thought Baker's, you know, elevation and play also coincided with a much better offensive line. I mean, look at the Super Bowl with Mahomes. You lose two starting tackles. There's no way you're going to be the same. I'm not an Odell Beckham fan. Uh, I think he's too much drama. Uh, I think he's too much about himself. When he got hurt, the Browns did not miss a beat. They actually got better. If you're running the Browns organization, you want Beckham on your squad? Oh, that's a tough call, my man. <laughs> that's a tough call. I, you know what? I know I'm going to say I do, and I understand your perspective because, again, you know, Big Blue, and I, you, know, you use the term drama, right? Well, sure. there, there was a hell of a lot of that. I think he has, you know, having his dear lifelong friend and uh, friend from LSU and teammate Jarvis Landry with him here, I, I think has started to make Odell, you know, view things maybe and his perspective a little bit differently. Now, though, what you said, there's no question. There's no question that Baker Mayfield seems to have elevated his game and his ability to get way more people involved with Odell not there. So I'll agree with you to say that it's, that, that it's something that it seems like it's going to be ongoing here with Beckham, you know, going to be back healthy this season. And assuming we're at the point now where free agency started, sure. I don't think they're just going to release them all of a sudden. But, uh, you know, in the NFL, of course, that's uh, almost some daily things happen that make you, make you just go, wow. But, you know, I think he's going to have to show that that is that, uh, that Odell, that he could come back and be the type of receiver that maybe blends in a little bit better. And because there's no question Baker from a two years ago would force a lot of things to try to get Odell the football grant. And as you and I know, hey, it doesn't matter how talented you are. Sometimes that that becomes a minus and a negative for an offense. So, you know, we'll see where they are when we get back this year. Talent wise, though, I mean, God, the, the guy is a supreme talent and so gifted and, you know, can take the top off of a defense, as we know. So. I mean, for Browns fans, everybody here is hoping that uh, he's able to get back to that and he and uh, Baker get real cohesive in a real hurry. Michael, when you look back at your career, I was talking about how fast you ascended going from such a small market and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in a top market in Cleveland with a quick stop in Toledo in between. We talk about the play-by-play. But when you look back at your career, is there one individual or one experience that you go, man, that changed my whole career around? Is there that one special person that you look back and say, man, that person had the biggest impact on my career? Yeah, I tell you, there's probably a few. And I mean, but for, for someone from the on-air side, when, when I got here to Cleveland, Grant, November of 83, and as you said, I, I, I only had been in Toledo for about 10 months, you know. And so when I got that opportunity, I did. I looked, I was still uh, in my 20s. When was I, 28 years old at that time? So, excuse me, 20, yeah, 28, 29. Yeah, I looked at it at that. This is, uh, this is going to be an opportunity for me now. I, I got to really show that, you know, I'm worthy of this and worthy of being here. But uh, the guy who was the, um, the uh, weeknight sports anchor and was also the radio voice of the Cleveland Browns at the time, the late Gib Shanley. Mm. He, you know, he was kind of, a, he was his time and that time in his mid fifties. So, you know, he, he's a say, wise sports broadcasting professional that he kind of did things his own way, you know, Grant, and he didn't take no BS. And you know what? He kind of, when I got here, it put a different perspective on things for me about, you know, if you're going to keep going and you're going to continue on and, and have the kind of success you want in this in this industry then you know you got to be you know you got to be willing to better than 100% at every night with the work ethic and you know exactly 
exactly how you want to be viewed by people. So, you know, I would say from a guy that was an on-air guy, like uh, he had a great impact on me when I got here. You know, like I said, fortunately, everything worked out. But getting the opportunities to, uh, as you know, because you got, you know, went down the same road. Sure. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Then to go from that, I always wanted to go, but play-by-play was always my first love. Sometimes I, I wonder if I did the right thing, you know, when I started the career, was doing all kinds of high school games and D3s, football, basketball, college I'm speaking of, on the on the radio side, right, as a play-by-play guy. But then, as you said, when I went to live, I decided, you know what, I'm going to see what sports anchoring, give it a shot, TV, make a little more money, right? Not a lot, but... <laughs> A little more money, so I did that. But I've always wondered, Grant. I wonder, I wonder if I just had stayed and not gone on to TV uh, sports anchoring in local news, because you know, I, my years I did that for. Let's see, the year in Lima, and then here to in Cleveland, I did that for about eight years. You know, and sure, and was able to call college football and basketball ultimately on on weekends, still on the TV side. But uh, you know, you know, you always kind of wonder. Had I stayed there, could I have gotten to that that play-by-play role in the major leagues, you know, NBA, NFL, MLB sooner? But, hey, like I said, I still I look at it as a blessing, and I've been very, very fortunate, was very fortunate, and I think lucky to get the opportunities I did. Because, you know, Grant, as we all know, there's always people trying to pull you down, right? Oh, boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, boy. We, yep. we know that, and I'll yep. just leave that as a blanket statement. But, yep. you know, whether you're Grant Napier or Michael Regga, you get those jobs, and again, all these people tell you they, but I tell you, there's a lot of people try to pull you down at the same time. And well uh, said. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta ride that out. Wouldn't you agree, buddy? Oh, you gotta you, ride that out too. You hit that right on the head. You are absolutely 100% spot on. I look back at my career. I did the NBA for 32 years, and I'll never forget the first time doing a game at Madison Square Garden with my dad mm-hmm. with me, and what a great thrill. You grew up sure. in Detroit. Your first yep. time your first time doing a Cavs game in Detroit and your first time doing an Orioles game at Tiger Stadium. Were those two of the best memories you've ever had? Absolutely. 100%. You know, you just said it. To, to have, you know, I was able to have my dad and my mom, too, you know, at both those venues. Now, it wasn't the same. The Pistons played at this this little or back when I was a kid. It was called Kobo, Kobo right. Arena. Kobo, yep. yep. Call a game in there? No, I, I did games you with Joe Lewis. Though, yeah, right? I didn't, yeah. No, well, you know Joe what? Lewis? I did. I did Bowling Green hockey. We had the uh, the CCHA tournament every yeah. year with Joe Lewis. So I did. I did hockey there. But no, I will. I only did games at the Palace with the Kings and the Pistons. I don't believe I ever did a game at the uh, Silverdome. Yeah, I got you. And, well, so I mean, anyway, that. But regardless, being able to, uh, you know, at Tiger Stadium to to have uh, a mom and dad there. When the uh, the first time in '97, when the Orioles, um, you know, visited and had a had a series with the Detroit Tigers, yeah, I mean, hell, yeah, that that's special, man. That's uh, that's something that you kind of look out. You you just kind of really uh, this is a this has been a lifelong ride that you know. So here's here's my reward and my payoff, and it makes you smile and feel real great. And that you know, it it certainly was very meaningful to me. For me, Grant. Yeah, no doubt. Michael, it was great catching up, man. Uh, you know, this week I am going down memory lane. Uh, before you came on, I was talking for about 10 minutes about how I even ended up uh, being at uh, WDHO in Toledo, uh, filling in for you. And thanks to you, I know every rest stop. I know where all of the cops hang out on the Ohio and Pennsylvania Turnpike. I mean, I, I know all the spots to slow down at. I mean, you know, I was going back and forth, man, all the time. And it, it, I, it was like, I'm yeah. thinking, Michael, my Subaru, man, almost died on me a couple times, but it, it it, it, for five bucks an hour, hell, I'm not passing that up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you absolutely were, man. You put the miles in for sure. And uh, Grant, always great catching up with you. And I, I'm so glad that we, you know, came from that. And then think about it for all those years, at least 14 of them anyway, because yep. you doubled me up in terms of your NBA. You did over 32. And that what a fantastic ride that is. So always be proud of that, man. And, uh, you know, don't ever, don't ever, like we just said, don't ever let anybody even, even think about that they can take back what that meant to you and, and, and how well you did away from it. Cause you know, you last 32 years, you got 32 years with one organization and in this lifetime and kudos to you. That's phenomenal. 
Well, I always said, Michael, when uh, Ralph Lawler retired, I then uh, became uh, the guy that uh, led the league in NBA losses, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, for, real quick, I, I'll get yeah, you five. Sure. Remember Pat Sajak? The, uh, oh, yeah, sure. He, he had me, big Orioles fan, so he had me on his show one time, and he introduced me as Michael Regai, who call, has called the most losses <laughs> Yearly, forever, with his work with the Cleveland Cavaliers and Baltimore. <laughs> oh my gosh! How about the that? Losingest huh? play-by-play guy in all of professional sports. Man, I, you know, Michael, I, I always used to say I'd rather do an NBA team that goes 0 and 82 than a high school team that goes 82 and 0. I didn't realize how close to the truth that I, I would end up being. <laughs> oh my man, it was it was uh, you know. Hell of a ride, and uh, like I said, excellent stuff. Always love catching up with you, buddy. Just great catching up with Michael. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, really great for me. Again, a guy that I learned a lot from. I learned a lot from Michael when I uh, first broke into the uh, TV business in the early 80s. Hey, folks, this tournament season, take care of your hair and holes with the best tools for the job. We're talking about our sponsor, Manscaped, the global leaders in male grooming from head to toe. Now, when the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset with the Manscaped Performance Package to keep all your hair and holes tamed. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today with 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, for our exclusive offer. Now, your bracket isn't supposed to be perfect, but with the Manscaped Performance Package, you can be confident that your nose, ear, and ball pubes are, folks. The Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and number one overall seed this season. Included in this package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. It provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Now look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job here? This amazing bundle also includes the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. It checks every box for a final four run. Hey, let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crowd Preserver, or I should say the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver. Ball Toner, it maximizes your ball hygiene routine. Hey, folks, it keeps you fresh and ready for anything. And get the performance package now. You'll receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Talk about comfort. The Boxers, folks, are absolutely awesome. And another favorite of mine are their Crop Mop wipes. Hey, here's the bottom line. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men age 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. Now, remember, every purchase at manscaped.com goes towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. All right, it is now time for our Crowd Ultra Q&A. It is so simple to sign up. Just go to crowdultra.com, and maybe I'll answer your question right here on the podcast. Andre wants to know who's the greatest NBA dunk contest champ. To me, it's Bud Webb. 5'7", winning the slam dunk contest. I'll always remember that. Spud. I, I got to go with Spud Webb. Uh, Casey wants to know, will Alex Smith ever play again in the NFL? I hope so. What a great story that he had last year uh, in Washington. So, yeah, I'm really... I really hope so. Donovan wants to know, what would you typically do during All-Star Weekend? Great question. In the old format, where sometimes you would have a game on Thursday, and then you'd have a game back on Tuesday, I just would kind of hang out at home. Um, you didn't have enough time to do anything. But then when they extended the All-Star break to a full seven or eight days off, um, you know, my wife and I would normally go away for a couple of days just to get away and you know, kind of recharge the uh, batteries a little bit. Alex wants to know, have you ever thrown out a first pitch? I did, actually, at the Oakland Coliseum before an A's-Angels game, 
and uh, I threw it pretty well. I don't know if it was a strike, but it was on the fly, and it may have been just a tad outside, but it wasn't bad. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Mark wants to know, who's more hopeless, the Pistons or the T-Wolves? Boy, they're both struggling big time. I'd have to go with Minnesota right now. Uh, It's just a mess. Uh, What is going on there? All right. Trevor wants to know, is this year's NBA All-Star schedule a better format? Probably, but it's it's just a one-time deal. I mean, the NBA All-Star weekend is a huge deal. They're not going to go back to what we saw yesterday. They're going to make it into what it always has been, and that is really a great marketing tool uh, for the uh, NBA. Tom says, you brought up Conseco during your Q&A. Do you have any good stories interacting with him? You know, he was always polite. Uh, He was always good when you wanted to grab him on uh, TV for an interview at spring training. He wasn't rude. He wasn't, uh, he was, you know, he'd give you an interview and he gave you, you know, pretty good answers. So, yeah, he was good. He was a hell of a lot better interview than Mark McGuire, who would make you like climb up Mount Everest to try to get an interview with him. But yeah, Jose was not bad at all. Nick says, hey, Grant, just had a baby last week. Got any advice? Well, first of all, Nick, congratulations. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, that's that's phenomenal. My advice is uh, cherish every day because, honestly, before you know it, they're going to be out of the house. All right? Your baby will be grown and gone, and you'll go, wait, wait a minute. Where did those 18 years just go? It goes so freaking fast. Doesn't seem like it's going fast when you're going through it, but before you know it, it's like, wow, what happened? They're no longer living with us. So just enjoy every single minute. Phil wants to know, did I watch the All-Star game? I did not. I I very rarely watch the uh, All-Star game, but no, I did not. Tim wants to know, did you hear about the Golden Knights having to find another hotel to stay at in San Jose? I did. They were at Skate Around, and they were staying at the Fairmont. And when they got back after the skate, each player and coach got a message, pack up your stuff, we're leaving. The Fairmont actually went out of business while they were there, and they had to leave. So how about that for you, talking about a story? How often does that happen? Uh, Christian wants to know, are NBA players given too much freedom to express themselves? Listen, just because you play sports doesn't mean you don't have freedom of speech. Just because you play basketball or football or what have you doesn't mean that you're not a U.S. citizen and you can't speak up for what you believe in. So do they have too much freedom? to express themselves. They don't have any more freedom than you or I have. So the answer to that question is no. No, they don't. Henry wants to know, how many years do you think sack getting an MLS team will be delayed? I think we'll find out a lot more this week when we hear from uh, Don Garber, the commissioner of uh, the MLS. I don't think we, once we hear from him, all right, then we'll have a much better idea. Ernie says, can you believe Adam Silver said there still won't be full arenas next season? I actually heard Adam Silver say he thinks that arenas will be close to full next season. So you and I heard it differently. Alex said, are you the type of person to criticize negative comments about officiating like Mitchell and Gobert made? I will criticize comments if I think they're unjust. I don't ever have a problem of criticizing negative comments if I think they're unjust. I've always done that, and I will always continue to do that. So I – listen, I, I I love Donovan Mitchell. He's one of my favorite players uh, in the league, and I understand his frustration. He was fine, as was, you know, Gobert. I used to criticize officials a lot more early in my career, and then once I got to know them and understood what they went through and talked to them – And they're not perfect, but then again, players aren't perfect. Announcers aren't perfect. There is no perfection. I mean, I don't know why we as sports fans think that our officials have to be perfect all the time. It's not possible to be perfect all the time. They make mistakes just like we do. So I, you know, I have a lot of, I'll have a lot of respect and appreciation for what the officials do. Hey, if you want to ask me a question on my next podcast, just go to crowdultra.com. It's time for Rant. Today's rant is brought to you by New Works Plumbing, locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years. Leak detection, water line repair, bathroom plumbing. New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. Remember, their expert technicians are available 24-7 for all 
of your plumbing needs. Newworksplumbing.com is where you go for all of your plumbing needs. That's N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. Must be nice if you're Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. A new deal, four years, $160 million, including a record $126 million guaranteed. And it was reported that the first three years of the deal averaged $42 million per year. So you're telling me that Prescott is the second best quarterback in the NFL because that's what he's being paid as behind Mahomes. I mean, someone's got to explain that to me. Now, I'm not saying the Cowboys are a better team without Prescott. But giving him that kind of money, seriously, Dak Prescott just got a four-year, $160 million? How the hell does that happen? Explain that to me. Can you imagine what the air? Uh, I mean, I'm talking about Rodgers, and I'm talking about the other young quarterbacks when it comes to their time to get a new deal. I mean, seriously. I mean, if, if Dak Prescott is worth $40 million a year, Aaron Rodgers is worth $60 million a year. That's unbelievable to me. It really is. And again, hey, I understand Dak is a consummate professional. He's a great leader. I, I don't hear anything bad about Prescott, all right? So... In that area, I give the guy an A-plus. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. Now, Watson wants out of Houston, and he's making, what, $39 million a year? You're telling me that Prescott is better than Watson? Hell no, he's not. Are you kidding me? I, I'll tell you, that's just unbelievable to me. Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, what the hell are you thinking? That is just unbelievable. Give me your thoughts. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, at Grant Napier Show. I would love to know what you think about that. And don't forget to check out my video rant over on YouTube if you don't like that as well. Going to be a wild week in the NFL, folks. So fasten up the seatbelt, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Because the NFL, the news this week is going to be coming at you fast and furious. But just again, remember this. Don't feel sorry for these players. They're making a freaking fortune. And that's my rant for today. Hey, my thanks to Michael Regai today. Hope you enjoyed going down memory lane. We're going to continue with this on Friday as I went from Toledo to Decatur, Illinois. Spent three years of my life there. And I'm going to have a guy on that uh, is very interesting. Someone that I worked with back then in the mid-80s who was still there in the same position at WAND-TV in Decatur, Illinois. All right. Thanks, as always, for being with me right here. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier.